Lordy, 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 Lordy. So, as you all know, we are still in quarantine. That ain't going to change a thing. And we're about to roll out these episodes. So, I think it's particularly interesting because um, I wanted to hold space today to have a conversation about parents who have money issues. And my inspiration for having this conversation today is because I typically surf the internet. I surf the internet to, um, you know, see how people have gone through their savings journey, how they talk about their experiences in Brooklyn, um, how people unpack their money narratives. All of these things are really important to me, especially in how I um, provide information through Broke Black Bougie and how I'm able to serve the community on here, right? So I think that is very important. Um, And I recently came across, I'm not going to say the channel's name, but I came across um, a channel that is extremely popular, right? The guy is a millionaire, but he also holds some views that I think are rooted in anti-blackness and privilege. And he forgets that even though he is a white man who is very affluent, um, politics, race, all of that stuff does play a role when we talk about equity and being able to have conversations and really candid conversations about the role that money plays in our lives. Anywho, so I was watching watching this and, and typically the reason why I watch it is I'm so interested to hear his ration, you, you, you know, or, or his, the way he processes how individuals come to him and seek help. And, um, this particular individual called Ed and she was a mother who was dealing with a daughter that had serious money issues. She advised her daughter to do right by her money. Um, she advised her daughter to take responsibility for certain things that she needed in her life. And, one of the things she realized is that her daughter was really uh, irresponsible when it came to wanting to have credit cards. Uh, you know, she tried to encourage her daughter to purchase a house. Um, she tried <laughs> she tried to encourage her daughter to um, just do all of these things to fit her image of what it means to be financially stable. And a lot of the commenters who were watching this video, you know, they were alluding to the fact that the mother was extremely controlling. You know, the fact that she even opened up the conversation to want to have her daughter purchase a home, all right, at the age of 24 was just very problematic. And um, even though the child graduated from college and has now a level of responsibility of living on her own. She is not thoroughly following the rules that her mother wants her to live out. And so I thought this was interesting because um, the advice that was given to the parent was that you're going to have to cut your uh, daughter off or at least um, financially because stupid being stupid is, is, is not illegal. And for her to be young and making stupid decisions, she's just going to have to learn from them without the parent intruding 24, eight. And so I started saying to myself, what happens, right? When we reach a certain age and our parents' money issues starts to take a toll on a child's ability to provide 
and um, operate, right, as a stable adult for themselves. And so you might ask, what do you mean by that? And so what I mean by that is oftentimes I, I, I find there are situations where our parents are not financially stable. They may have a certain set of issues or um challenges that contribute to financial hardships that exist in their lives. And instead of being able to thoroughly address these issues, um, what tends to happen is that when a child grows up, they kind of take on to help out and it becomes a situation where they're trapped, right? Um, in the cycle of consistently helping, consistently helping, consistently helping an individual with money issues. And it takes more than it actually gives to the child. And so I want to pack, unpack today. Um, We're going to be packing all right. I'm going to unpack today uh, a conversation about parents who have money issues and what can an individual who is in this space of being a child who is either taking care of their parent or financially contributing in ways that are overwhelming them, how can they better be able to maneuver this situation and get a grasp on being able to provide for themselves again? So, I want to start this off by talking about why this is important. And... Personally, I recognize that money issues exist in every family. I don't care if you come from an extremely elite family. Your money issues might be associated with where to allocate the money and dealing with privilege and these fucking brats, okay, who feel very entitled. Versus being in a low-income family, you're not really thinking about... um uh you you you're not really thinking <laughs> about money long term you're thinking of it in a short term way right because it's just like you know that right now this is not this is something that you don't have and this is something that you need in order to survive so your thoughts are consistently surrounded by the ideas of of not having money and how to make the money in front of you last longer give or take and so i think people tend to forget that money problems affect families because if you come from a family dynamic where your parents are not good with money, all right, and you as a child have have to play bank or you have to uh, be uh, assume the parents' role of trying to gain some financial traction right? Contributing to your family and building stability, how you look at money issues may differ. And so one of the things that we can't really um, ignore is that parents deal with financial challenges and whether they're good with money and go into financial challenges or they've always been bad with money and they deal with financial challenges, those money narratives that they have definitely will impact the money narratives that a child has and how they understand their relationship with money. So I was reading an article because you know me, I like to do some surfing and um, this article was published by Money Under 30, you know, great website to help 20-something-year-olds to get their bag together. And although it was published uh, last year in 2019, in April, um, 
it contains some very valuable information about love and money. And so at the time that the article was released, it stated that one in five millennials provide financial support to their parents, often by putting their own finances at risk. If you can afford to help your parents financially, here's the right way to go about it. So they provided some tips, all right? (laughs) Um, But also some stats on the realities that individuals who who are youngsters or young millennials that they have right so 38 percent of millennials have some delayed money for delayed saving money for retirement 48 percent have delayed buying a home 38 percent have delayed in having children and 29 percent have put off marriage because they've been helping their parents and and been unable to fulfill their dreams um either because they're loaning money or they're giving it away and so when it comes down to having a conversation about money, 21% say they feel guilty for bringing up conversations about money. 17% say their parents are sick and they don't want to add on to their ill health by having an uncomfortable talk that creates stress, right? And 17% said they're just too weird to talk about it. And so what happens is the issue between having parents who are um, facing financial hardships and being a child feeling the need to take care of the situation, either one or two things occur, right? So um, if you are a person who is giving, right, you're either giving within your means or you are giving above your means and now you have some type of resentment or you're in a place where you are financially on thin ice. And so the purpose of today's conversation is to figure out scenarios on how to um, organize your spending so that you can position yourself to help others, but not forget to help yourself. (laughs) Um, I know many of you may be like, oh my God, Charlie, I'm so glad that you touched upon this conversation. And I am too, but this is a real real life and a real world that people are experiencing. And I hope that you understand that whether or not these are certain things you can connect with or tie, you know, or, or, or tie to, it's really important to be able to just face the music and make sure that you can continue to have a healthy relationship with money, even if, even if, you are doing for others. Because it's okay to do for others. It's in our blood. It's in our system. You're in my system. (laughs) Oh. All right. (laughs) Scenario one. You turn 18 and you just start a job. And now you're required to provide financially in the household. What do you say? I think when we talk about money problems, this is definitely one of the first um, instances of challenges and money that you see because once you start to make money for yourself or, you know, gain a job that provides you a little bit more stability, 
if you come from a household where money is not running and it's kind of few and far in between, you might be faced with the challenges of trying to figure out, okay, well, what role do I have in the household? In which ways am I able to contribute? And is it fair for me to want to provide? Um, excuse me, is it fair for me to want to contribute in a way financially when I have to build for myself? I'm going to be very honest. I think it can be extremely traumatic to force a child at the age of 18 um, to provide in a household at the level of paying bills that the adult has to pay. I get that um, if you come from like a low income family and there are financial needs that need to be met, you know, um, you want to be able to help out or the parent can often view their child as another uh another means of um helping to provide stability but realistically speaking the child is not a paycheck and so even if they're at the age of 18 and they are contributing to the household in ways helping to clean helping to do chores helping to take a load off a 18 year old in my eyes can't afford $500 $600 a month or half a check to be contributing into a household just because you feel entitled to that child um, um, giving you money like that child didn't ask to be here, right? So I think we have to be very considerate of when we when 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 children are brought into this world, they are meant to be taken care of and be nurtured in a in a safe home. And so when they get older, just because they turn 18 or just because they turn 16 or just because they turn 21 and they are still very broke because I know that I was very broke at those ages, that doesn't automatically constitute that because they're able to have a little bit of income coming in, that they automatically have to contribute um, some coins, all right, or um, provide in the same way as the adults who've been around town for, for a while. And like, a lot of y'all may disagree on this, but I definitely feel in my hearts of hearts that, what I see in a lot of other other communities is that when a child turns a certain age, right, they are still nurtured as a child, right? Because 18 don't mean you grown. 16 definitely don't mean you grown. 21 don't mean you grown. And so as you get older and there are certain responsibilities that people press upon you, you have to be realistic in the fact that like not everybody has the opportunity, okay, to make thousands of dollars at a young age. And even if you are making a couple hundred dollars because you're working at a at a fast food joint or you work in a cashier job or you don't know, or, or or a little job in retail, those jobs are not providing you coins where you're able to 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 have big ass bucks. And so if you grow up with in a family that doesn't come from, from, from money, it doesn't automatically mean just because a child gets a job that they need to contribute in a way that depletes their resources and their ability to build. Because then what happens? The child contributes coins and they have nothing for themselves. And when they need something, they can't come to you because the first thing that a parent is going to say in a scenario like this is that you got money. 
you working now. I don't understand why you coming to me for You understand what I'm saying? So you have to be very cautious of those type of narratives that shape. Because going back to the point of what I've seen in other communities, they're not only nurtured, but they're they're in a place where if they're turning 18, they are given a, 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 a level of tools, a level of courtesy to be able to provide for themselves. They're given information. They are told that they can stay as long as possible in order to stack and build. And in order to build stability, especially when we talk about generational stability, right? That goes beyond generational wealth and breaking down gener- generational traumas. When we talk about stability in our lives all around, I feel like stability is definitely dependent on being able to have your own. And at the start of building your own, you should not be required to give, 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 give until your resources are depleted. So we have to be very careful of those type of narratives um, and, and, and stories um, that definitely can contribute in a negative way to um, a youngster's experience. <laughs> so that was scenario one. All right. Scenario two is your parent is terrible with money. They are absolutely terrible with money. They don't want to talk about money. They don't even want to um, sit down and be taught what they're supposed to do with money because they're the adult. They know how to do this. They've been living to, to survive. They've been stretching it for a long time now. It is their duty, all right, to spend, 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 do what they want. And, you know, next paycheck, they'll pick it up next time or figure it out. They are. They just don't know their numbers. They're... Their relationship with money is tragic, okay? And they always expect you as a child now who has um, income coming in and resources to pick up the tab when they fall. What should you do in a scenario like this? Y'all gonna be looking at me like, girl, I don't know what type of child you are, but I wouldn't want you as my baby. I mean... Mm-mm. I'm going to have to take a sip on this one. Because let me tell y'all something. Grown folks, I, I firmly believe this. It comes a time when you, you when you grown, you reach a level of being grown. Because everybody loves to be grown. And grown is, being grown is expensive. Where you geek that grown shit, but the rest of your life is out of order. Like you grown. But you can't pay your bills. Like you grown, but you always asking to borrow $5 and shit. Like you grown, all right, but you can't provide a meal for yourself or you can't take care of what you need to. I want to be very transparent here. There is a difference between living in poverty, all right, living in poverty and being an adult and and literally living to survive and struggling to make ends meet. That does not take away from 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 you being being grown. I want to want to say that as somebody who came from the concrete. All right, um, but I also want to be very cognizant of the motherfuckers who have money. Okay, I mean have money. You know they they they're they're not living in poverty or they they have some some means of income, but they're just very tragic with the way that they deal with money and they're living in Brooklyn and it's complete, it's, it's, it's a joke to them. They don't want to take anything, things seriously. 
there comes a time where you can't make excuses. All right? Because there are people out here who really are in need and really need support and really need help. And you are technically not one of them. The type of help you need is really getting your shit together and stop geeking as you've grown shit. Because I don't understand how you so grown. But everything that you need in order to live in and, and, and be grown and move uh, effectively as a grown-ass person is just non-existent. And because you screw up so often, you expect other people to pick up the pieces for you because you can't handle your own shit. You know, I have a problem with that. And the reason why I have a problem with it is because parents are supposed to set the example, okay? And that example, (laughs) you know, I don't mean to be dark here, but that example is like they've been through the wire before you. Right, so there are certain lessons that they understand. They know the ways of the uh, 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 of the world. They done been around, you know. You know, I need it around the way, girl. Hey, you know, they, they've been around a few times, so they understand how this world operates. But if you're going to be a a a parent, and even though I don't have any kids, I want to be very realistic. There's a difference between me being me having children and actually living through the experience of being a child. And so I have a lot to say because I'm somebody's child and um, I can speak on my experience growing up. And so I definitely can allude to, 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 to the understanding that if you are a parent and you have children, there are certain responsibilities that you need to have in order. Okay. And Asking your child or depending on your child to pick up the pieces is not one of those things. Because then what you're doing is you're being inconsiderate of their journey and their experience. And you're just being downright selfish. If you don't want to look at your numbers, if you don't want to be real about what's going on, if you don't want to take 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 the, take up the slack, you know, if you don't really want to get right with your numbers, then you shouldn't your child you shouldn't have to take 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 from your child to the point where they just asked out because who's who is supposed to help them like the individual who is you who is supposed to be the provider is not operating at a provider in this sense and so because you're leaning onto your child and taking more than you're giving you know that's just not healthy and I feel like we we go through these trauma phases where we often hear narratives sometimes that are just like, well, I raised you for this many years and you could never repay me back for X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, you should never tell your child just because you raised them, just because you made sacrifices for them, just because they exist as a child, because they did not ask to be here. They popped out from a, a grown a grown night of festivities, Okay. You should never require them to pick up the pieces simply because they're they're living. Like that is the most insensitive and selfish and um, traumatic thing you could do. So in this situation for a child who faces a parent like that, if you are in a space where you are financially stable for yourself, I need to, I need to take a sip y'all. And that you can love from a distance and you can build a bridge or burn it down, (laughs) whatever you want to do for yourself. 
you need to make sure that you protect the energy around you and you need to make sure that you're not being used because contrary to popular belief, just because somebody is a parent don't mean that they can't misuse or abuse you. And in instances like that, you're better off creating a safe space for yourself rather than dealing with the harms of being an individual um, that consistently gives in to negativity and people who don't got their shit together, parent or not, and you put yourself in a predicament that you don't want to be in. You are not required to sacrifice more than you can. And I think um, in, in instances like that, when we see a scenario where the parent is just being completely right, completely ignorant to what's really going on and how they they not taking care of their shit but but want everybody in the world to save them that's not all right okay it's just simply not all right so i would say build a bridge of space between you and the parents or parents and don't feel required to have to give more than you than you need because if this situation was the other way around Right. When when we talk about what motivated this conversation, it was advised that the parent give space to the child and just cut it off. Right. And so because you have to take care of yourself and give within your means, if there is something that is dire that needs to be taken care of, if there is something that needs to be prioritized, yes, you can encourage the parent to seek help. Yes. But you also need to build a bridge. Just build a bridge. Just build a bridge because that's when you when you build a bridge and you do it in a way where you create space, depending on how long that bridge is, depending on how wide it is, depending on how sturdy it is, all right, you can create space between you and them, and they're gonna have to bring their ass over because you <laughs> section blocked off. Number three. Yo, I usually make a lot of sound effects noises and I think it's absolutely hilarious how like these noises, they just work. They just work, okay? You notice that your parent is acting extremely weird and... Um, you don't know what's going on, but you you think that it's alluding to some type of financial situation. Um, the, it seems like they're a little bit tight on money, but they're not being transparent about it. And it's taking a toll on their interactions with you and definitely how they're able to provide for themselves. So you want to step in, but you don't really know how to go about it. So what do you do? I say, this is not uncommon. Hardships will always exist, right? And so it's important that if you want to give help to somebody or if you want to open up the space to have a dialogue about what's going on between you and your parent, because let's let's be real, our parents like to be super duper macho. And because they are the providers, right? Um, oftentimes they have a lot of ego when it comes to seeking help, asking for help and needing assistance because they feel like they have to play this game. We don't got time for games, all right? Because literally being able to afford afford your life and be able to um, live a life that is without 
financial stress is life and death. And so in situations like this, I will say sit down with them and have a conversation about what is going on. And ask and create, you know, set the tone for it to be as transparent, as non-judgmental as possible. Because with money issues, people hate to feel judged. Every time somebody is in need and they are like in a place of financial, like, you know, just just sit it down and, and have the time. If you have the wiggle room and it is something that you can take care of, figure out how you can address it. Do you have to bring your siblings into this conversation? Um, is there something that you and your sibling can work on, siblings can work on together in order to get to the root of the issue? Um, is it something that you simply can just take care of? Um, and giving the money, if, the, if, if is this money a gift? Or is it something that you will need back? Because if you need it back and you know that it might impede on your actual coins, then maybe you need to take a step back and figure out how much can you contribute to this situation. But the purpose of this scenario is to literally have a candid conversation. How me and y'all are having a candid conversation right now and you're listening to me about, you know, the relationship between parents and money, um, you should be able to have that with your loved one. And if they are in need of uh, support services to clean up their credit or um, create a financial plan for themselves, make sure you know the people around in your community who are able to support, right, and and, and give provide your parent that help so that they can have the resources as well as making sure that they're as transparent as possible with what they need. Scenario four, okay? Um, In this situation, you have a parent who is facing financial hardships and they're not really explicit or like I said, we went through the, the scenario of a parent who's willing to come to the forefront. This parent is also not willing to come to the forefront. However, they get an attitude when they come to you for help and the answer is no. How do you maneuver this situation? Well, there's two things to understand, right? And this is something that the American uh, Psychological Association uh, has reported on many times. When we look at the relationship between money and family and what it means to practice good financial habits, money and stress go hand in hand. And so money is consistently looked at as a source of stress for Americans. And this is something that has been reported ever since their 2014 uh, Stress in America uh, survey. And when we start to look at like our, our parents' dynamics with money, once again, I like to reiterate this. The parents' image is often looked to as being the financial survi- um, um, provider, and supporter of their family. And the moment that they don't have that support, right, that doesn't make them any less of a parent. I just want to be extremely transparent about that. However, people have their own hardships. And so when you as a child are forming your your own financial stability and you don't have it to give, 
Like you, you don't have enough for yourself. You might not have an emergency fund that has enough expenses so that you can give money, right, um, to an individual. You might not have enough wiggle room for yourself in order to uh, be able to provide for you in the needs, right, to meet the needs of your family. So what ends up happening is as a result, you have to say no because you don't, you just don't have the resources. And in saying no, there's a clap back. It becomes a situation where you're perceived as not wanting to help family or you're perceived as being, uh, being stingy with your money, not wanting to help or do for family, right? Not wanting to provide because you got money that they don't have money to and, and, and you think you're, you're better, right? Oh, yes, this is real things that do happen to people and real experiences. Um, there are one, two, one or two things you can do. You can clap back, all right? Because people love to call you out of your name and say all of these things to you. When you are in a space where you're creating boundaries, but let me tell you why boundaries are important, especially when it comes to parents and money, because we often don't come. I know, especially when I look at my community and my family dynamics, we often don't come from uh, a a huge pool of wealth. And um, that's not to say that there are not people who are successful and have money and have stability, but even the individuals who have some type of um, financial cushion for themselves and they're able to be a part of a different socioeconomic class, their wealth is still very small on a scale, right, on a scale of community wealth amongst other ethnic groups if we're looking at um, Asian communities, if we're looking at um, uh, uh, white communities, uh, the, the wealth is, is, is very small in the, in the grand scheme of things. So what I understand is oftentimes when we have conversations about family and money, especially for black families, I feel like we have to support our families in ways that other people don't. But in order to get there, we have to be able to create boundaries, Right. Because without those boundaries, if we're giving what we don't have, we're never going to have enough to give and be able to budget it in and be able to make sure that we're we're giving to our family and laying down a foundation. So I say this to say when you're hit with those um, very harsh criticisms of why you can't provide, why you can't do this, you can either have a conversation. Right. And say why you are setting this boundary. And explain to them, right? If it happens to be a person who is extremely toxic and you can't talk to them and let them know what it is, then again, what did we say earlier? Build that bridge. But if you can sit down and you can have this conversation and you can tell them like, this is what, this, this is what's going on. Um, and you know, I would love to help, but in order for me to help, I have to make sure that I'm straight. Cause if I give you this money, 
it might take a minute realistically for me to get this money back or if this is a gift for you, I don't have any intentions on receiving this money back, but I'm in a stage where I'm building and I have to have stability for myself. And so if I'm dishing, 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 dishing and never able to, to, to stack, 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 then I'm always going to be in a place of need, need, need. And so in order to save us, one of us has got to get out of that boat. (laughs) All right. We got to get out of a boat. And we got to make sure that we go and get the tools and bring them back. That's all it is. These conversations are hard because it's one of the, the relationship between the parent and the child is extremely hard to build boundaries. And that's simply because a lot of parents tend to feel entitled just as children feel entitled. Sometimes parents feel entitled when they need help. And they come to their children because their children, you know, that's the that's next next of kin in line to be able to go to. They, instead of going to a brother or a cousin or a, a, a sister or whoever is in the family who might have a little bit more stability, people tend to go to their kids because that's all they can really, really rely on. And I get it. But a lot of times people don't have the stability to give in the way that that needs to um, in ways that we need to address, you know, family matters. So it's important to have an open dialogue, be able to keep your goals front and center. What, what, what can you do? What you can't do, right? Um, when you have a talk with your parent, you got to be able to choose your words wisely because yes, whether or not they are parents, you know, or or whether or not our relationships are, are, are healthy with our parents. Sometimes people ha- make great money decisions and sometimes they make terrible money decisions. And regardless, people don't want to be checked on those things. People don't want to be talked to about those things because it is very uncomfortable to sit down and be told that, you know, you you, you don't know your numbers. You don't know what's coming in, what's going out. Your money management sucks. It's hard. It's really hard because as a as a kid, when you're in a space like that, you find yourself having to baby the parent, right? Or 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 be that nurturer. But in this sense, you have to make sure you protect your space, you create your boundary, and you do what's best for both of y'all. I do what's best for both of y'all. So people are clear as to where you stand. And you are clear as to what you can do. When you are looking at being able to maneuver spaces with parents who may not be good with money, or maybe they are good with money, right? And maybe you're the one who needs needs guidance. Well, wherever you end up in, in, in this scenario, it is so important. Okay, and I mean this. It, it it is so important that you are able to maneuver this space without dealing with tension. All right, and the reason why I say this is because these are very tense conversations. Having discussions with your loved ones about 
money, our tense conversation, financial money matters. It matters when we wake up. It matters in our ability to travel to and from places where we want to go. It matters in our ability to get to our jobs. It matters in our ability to be comfortable in our own homes. It matters in our movement and our everyday movement. It matters in the food we consume. It matters in the type of access we have to things, um, the type of resources we're able to use to get to where we want to go. It matters. And so communicating about money, right, um, can be very touchy because our values come into play. Everybody may have a different value or opinion about what, what it means to be financially stable. And when we're talking about generational stability, We have to be willing to have these candid conversations because what they do is they help us acknowledge what, right, is a part of our money narrative and what we want to see, our belief systems when it comes to money, what we believe we're able to achieve, what we we believe we have opportunities to. It it helps us to be able to um, unpack, right, other people's values when it comes to money and how we share and exchange our goals and how we are realistic with our, how we are realistic with our circumstances. In that same sense, right, and unpacking our values, we are able to acknowledge how our values drive certain financial decisions. Because Picking and choosing what we want to spend our money on, how we spend our money, what we put our time and money energy to is very much so a part of the process as just having money that exists, right? Because there could be, this is the difference. And let, and, let, and let me be very real. This is the difference between somebody who makes $100,000 a year and spends damn near all of that money. Versus somebody who makes $50,000 a year and they are more intentional about their coin. And at the end of the year, they are a super saver and have over at least $20,000 stacked up in the bank. That's, that's a different. It's a different in lifestyle. It's a different in, in difference in expenses. It's a difference in um, prioritizing money and the type of financial decisions that are made that set you up. And so when you start to think like that, right, you start to become those thoughts and you start to move different when it comes to your money. I remember a friend who was, we were having a conversation and at one point in her life, she was making roughly a hundred, a hundred thousand. She's um, a, a bit older than me uh, and has experience in tech. And I remember her saying that it don't matter how much you make, when you make more money, you spend more money. And I had to tell her, I disagree. I might be younger, you know, there might be certain things that catch my eye, but if I'm making a hundred stacks a year, my intentions is not to spend that much money just because you want to live in a nicer place, just because you want to have the nice car, you know, in order to be in a position that nobody else is in and have stability that you've never seen before. You got to operate like you've never seen before. You got to operate in a space that helps you 
really maneuver what it is that you desire. And so until you're in a space like that, it is going to be extremely hard for you to unpack, right? Um, how to build stability for yourself and what values you have that drive the financial decisions that you make. And another key point to this is that when we're unpacking money and family relationships, the more we talk about money, the more we become better at being comfortable about our situations and working through our personal finance journey. Open talk about money definitely leads you to <laughs> that boost where your cushion is. It just, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing, okay? If the cushion is not <laughs> stacked and come day. You know, I tried to make that rhyme, but it really didn't go, but Moral to the story, it's the same thing. So like having open conversations and dialogues about how money operates in our life does make it better. And if you are in a space where you have a parent who is 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 not comfortable with talking about um how money exists in their lives or, you know, what we need in order to be better, it becomes extremely hard to make progress. Case in point, my mother is absolutely amazing. Okay. Out of all of the challenges and experiences that this woman has been through, she has a strength of an elder that is twice her senior. I'm I'm not I'm not joking. And um, what makes me so excited about my mother's journey and her experience is that there would be times where she would notice that things were, were, were wrong and she would say something. I don't give a damn if she wasn't the breadwinner in the household. She would speak up. She would say something. And it got to the point where as I got older... I wanted to talk to my mother and plan with my mother and and have certain discussions about what we needed to do. And my mother was very sharp and understanding like, this is why things are the way that they are. And this is what we need to do. And these are the better decisions that we need to make so that we can be more confident and being open about our experience, right? But the difference between my mother and her husband was that he was not open to those discussions. And so him not being open created a a <laughs> a space, okay, um, because my father has has a lot of issues with talking about money, right? Um, created a lot of space where he was shut off. And so if you can't talk to the breadwinner about his coins then you not you're not having access to how those coins move. You're you're not really moving the discussion forward. It is very hard to see progress. And so this is why money conversation matters. Because the more you are able to break through and make breakthroughs and keep open lines of communication, you can talk about the goals that you have in mind and you can work towards reaching a common standard. It's as simple as that. And we also have to be, all right, <laughs> who in this journey of talking about money, we also have to be sensitive to um, the inequities that exist within our household. Life is built 
and founded, the foundation, the, the soil in which we stand on. All right. And I'm saying this as someone who lives in America, the soil that we stand on is full of inequities and challenges, stolen land. All right. Stolen bodies, stolen narratives, shifting dynamics, genocide, chattel slavery. Okay. Years, hundreds of years of oppression intersectionalities between those those cycles of oppression and silence when it comes to unpacking and addressing this issue. And so when we look at money in the African-American community, we often have to look to those experiences because they are embedded in our history and our story. And so when we look at the dynamics that exist between families or the inequities that exist and the inequalities that exist and the challenges that exist with money. We start there, we move forward, and then we talk about our contributions to our experiences, right? Whether that be the type of conversations we have, our willingness to actually address certain issues, how can we thoroughly improve our finances if we live in a space where the status quo, right, and um, a lack of social equity often plays a role in how much money we make, right? Um, individuals who were actually able to work through the, 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 the exploitation of poverty, because that's what it is, Right. Um, the, the the challenges that people face in poverty, like why why him not me, why her not she, right? Those narratives we have to be open to those inequities that exist, and if we don't come and address that and realize that, like, yes, you might not come from a family that has financial stability, right? Historically, that has generational wealth. You might come from a family that is generationally poor, but your poverty may be very different from your cousin's poverty, which may be very different from your other cousin's poverty, right? Which also may be different from your family experiences. I've always said there is a hierarchy when it comes to the experiences people have in their social classes and living poor ain't no different. So we have to be extremely sensitive and cautious to those things because not everybody entered the world on the same playing field um, with the same experience, with the same goals, with the same skin color, with the same um, ability to maneuver certain toxic and challenging environments. And so we have to be open to those dialogue, to that dialogue too, as it pertains to our narratives. And... Lastly, I will say this. Case in point, we have to have a conversation when it comes to money. We have to. If we do not, if we, if we can't have that conversation with loved ones, if we can't talk to our parents, if we can't talk to ourselves about it, we leave ourselves to be in a space of needing healing. And just like any other issues... Financial problems are not exempt from therapy. When I first started out in therapy, I had to unpack a lot of 
the challenges that I had with money because money was at the center of a lot of my traumatic experiences as a child, Um, emotions and insecurities that I felt, and how that followed me and shaped my narrative growing up into uh, the adult that you see here. So financial challenges are not exempt. They cannot be swept under the rug. And it is completely okay to talk to a financial advisor and to get therapy to help you, you know, finesse and manage through your experiences. Because it's about coming out on top and being able to be as transparent as possible to start your journey towards generational stability and financial wellness. Like this episode of Broke Black Bougie? Well, follow Broke Black Bougie on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. In the need for more content, head to www.brokeblackbougie.com for the latest articles. Oh, and be sure to sign up for the newsletter. It's pretty cool. I want to thank you all for your consistent support for Broke Black Bougie and can't wait to continue talking in your ear. <laughs> Talk soon. All right, we're going to do the catch a coin. Um, And to be honest, this whole episode could be focused on catching a coin, right? But I think what makes this particularly special is this whole episode was focusing on maneuvering spaces between parents with money issues and so at the center of that when it comes to being able to save money when it comes to being able to have a better relationship and maintain your bag communication stays at the forefront so if you're struggling with your coins if you feel like, you know, you need to create boundaries, the best way to do that is to speak up and create communication between you, between the parties involved, just to ensure that you're able to meet your money goals and get what it is you desire. So for To Catch a Coin this week, I encourage you to be a better communicator when it comes to your wallet. Be a communica- better communicator when it comes to focusing on how to provide stability for yourself in doing what's within your means. If you cannot do it, if you cannot give a coin, if you're worried about getting that coin back, you should speak up about it and say, hey, this is what it is and this is what it ain't and this is what it ain't gonna be. All right, so I wish you well for this week and that is to catch a coin. <laughs>